Well, good morning. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It is time for church. Listen, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and, and comment down below. Let us know that you're here. Even if you're watching this at a later time, later than the original broadcast, that helps me to know that we have connected. It lets everyone else know that you're here. So, you know, you guys can, can comment one to another. It just it just helps with the community, and I'm I encourage you to do that. You you guys have been great about doing that. I just want to encourage you to keep that up. Um, just a quick announcement about what our plans are. You know, I am eager to get back into the house of God, um, the the church building, and I am sure that you all are eager to do the same. I'm eager to see you. Um, but, you know, we want to make sure that we're doing that wisely and uh, cautiously, you know, take, taking the right precautions and not taking unnecessary risks. So um, certainly Wednesday we'll do online again. And I'm, I'm eyeballing Sunday, uh, keeping an eye on it, um, you know, uh, but I am paying attention to the numbers as well. Right now they're not, they're not looking good. Um, but if we can open our doors on next week, then we will. If not, I'm, we just have to be flexible, guys. And so if we have, and I'll try to keep you guys posted. I'll keep uh, messages coming out to you um, through Facebook and through the text text system that we have to let you know what the plans are uh, with enough advance notice that you can make plans for yourself. So um, just just please pray for us as we make these decisions and um, and be flexible. That's that's what we're having to do is to be flexible, just because we don't want to take any unnecessary risk, especially with the, the the precious members that we have. So, today we're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter six, and I'm excited to bring this word to you. It's you know we're continuing our discussion about disruptive grace. That when God's grace comes in, it it changes things and it upsets things and it just turns things upside down and inside out and backwards to frontwards and you name it. I mean, radically different lives. And so we're going to be looking at what Paul has to say about this this changed life in Second Corinthians chapter six. We touched on it a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to come back to it today. So if you have your Bibles. Get them out and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. But before we go into the scriptures, I do want to pray because that is it's so very important that when we approach God's word, we do it with an attitude of prayer and humility. And we ask the Holy Spirit to open his word to us. So let's do that. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I know that we are not physically together right now, but you, you have connected us in spirit. And so Father, right now we ask you, that you would open your word to us, that you would humble us and give us a humble spirit to be able to receive from your word what you would have us to receive. Open our hearts and open our eyes to the glorious truth of your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll put the, uh, the words up on the screen for you so you can read along with me. And here we go, verse, beginning in verse 1. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But 
as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by endurance, uh, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and yet behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Church, the, the Christian life, the, the person who has been redeemed, the spirit has been brought alive by Jesus through faith in Jesus Christ. They've seen and savored the glory of salvation and the, they've, just, they've been transformed and it is a transformative experience. That person who's been through that experience with Christ is very different than what he was before. Very different than the world who has not experienced that with Christ, who has not been brought alive in their spirit and filled with the joy of salvation. We touched on it a couple of weeks ago. In verse 1, Paul, Paul said, do not, I appeal to you. I mean, he's, he's begging, he's pleading with them. Do not receive this grace of God in vain, which tells me that there is a way to receive the grace of God uh, to receive it, and I'm using quotation fingers, there's a way to receive the grace of God so that it is completely and totally ineffective. A way to receive the grace of God that is vanity, it's, it's fruitless, it's futile, and there's no manifested change. And boy, I, don't we know those people who call themselves Christians and you'd never know it if they hadn't said it. And that's... That's what receiving the grace of God in vain looks like. There's no life change. There's no change in motivation. There's no change in how or why we do things. The person who has been uh, changed by grace, who has received the grace of God not in vain, keeps those first two commandments, to love God with everything that you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself. Boy, that means a whole lot of things. Paul paints us a picture here of of a life that has been changed by grace. Let's, let's look at what he says, verse 3, because this is important. He says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way. We're not going to put up barriers for anybody. We're not going to be a stumbling block for anybody. We put no obstacles down. And the reason for that isn't so that they'll like us. It's not so that they'll be our friends. It's not so that they'll stay our friends. We're not concerned with whether they talk bad about us or good about us. And we'll see that he says that later. We're not concerned with whether they mistreat us or, or whether they praise us. We're not worried about us in the equation. What we're worried about, we put, we put no obstacle in anybody's way so that the thing that we're concerned is with is that no fault be brought to the ministry. I don't want the gospel of Jesus to be made to look less than or diminished. 
I don't want anyone to have cause to bring fault to the gospel. If anything I'm doing, if anything I say brings fault to the gospel, then I am in error because the gospel is glorious and I have fallen short. That's what Paul's saying. We do not, uh, their motivation has changed. It's not driven by self-preservation. It's not driven by self-advancement. They're driven by protecting and magnifying the gospel. Look what he says. There is a contrast that he draws. Verse 3, we, we don't want any harm. To, we don't want to do any damage to the gospel. It is a glorious message, and we want to make sure that we are presenting it as a, a glorious message with no faults for anybody. No one They can't find fault with us in it. Verse 4, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. So he's drawing a contrast. There is the first part in verse 3, which says there is a way to live that creates an obstacle towards the gospel. It, it, it creates a, a, an, an occasion for people to find fault with the gospel. But servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And then he lists all these ways that they are commending themselves. So as servants of God, we don't, we don't act in a way that puts the gospel in a in a poor light. He says, we, we commend ourselves through, look at these things, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, through persecution. They were being imprisoned because of the message of hope that they were spreading. They were being beaten because of the glorious gospel of Jesus. And they joyfully submitted to those imprisonments and those beatings. They counted it as a, a privilege to be able to suffer for the name of Christ. So that the gospel would not be diminished. So that there would be no obstacle in anyone's way. So that there could be no fault found with the message, with the ministry. Yes, I'm willing to die for this message. Yes, I'm willing to be spat on and beaten and, and face calamities and hardships and imprisonments for, because this message is that good. It's that true. And I wonder if we were to take a real honest stock of our lives and how we live and the things that motivate us and the way that we treat others, the way that we treat the Lord, the way that we treat our faith. I wonder if we, were, if we were to take stock of that, an honest stock, how we'd measure up. Do we put an obstacle to the gospel? Are we an obstacle to the Are we a reason for someone to find fault with the gospel? Verse 6, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. That sounds a lot like many of the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus said that they would know us by our love one for another. By how we love. So kindness, genuine love, our compassion toward one another, our sacrificial service and giving towards one another. By truthful speech and the power of God. That's the gospel right there. The power of God, Jesus Christ, the power of God unto salvation. That's the gospel. That's how we commend ourselves 
one to another. Truthful speech. Our yes is yes. Our no is no. We are driven by kindness and genuine love, by purity in knowledge. You remember the scripture that says, whatsoever things are pure and of a good report and are holy, think on those things. What do we put our thoughts to? What do we put our mental energies toward? With weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. So our hands, in our hands we hold weapons of righteousness. Our hands are not idle, but we are actively fighting for the kingdom of God. We are actively fighting for the, the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll defend it lovingly and patiently. Verse 8, through honor and dishonor, slander and praise. This, this is what Paul is saying. It's not about me. It doesn't matter if they honor me, if they lift me up, or if they put me down. If they praise me or they lie about me and say bad things about me. As long as the gospel is made to look grand and glorious, that's all that matters. I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I struggle with, with this. I have friends that don't believe in in the gospel and I see them say things and I, I worry what are they going to think if I call them out what are they going to think if I challenge them and I do it in as lovingly of a way as possible how are they going to think about me am I going to turn them off am I going to be an obstacle to the gospel look at what he says we are treated as imposters like we're fake and yet we are true and how, how true is that today? You know, the, the world likes to tell us that we're crazy for believing in some invisible God that we can't see or prove. We are treated as imposters, but we are true. This is the truth. Verse 9, as unknown and yet well known. As unknown, like, like we're obscure in the world, but we're known by the one who matters. Jesus that's all that needs to know me. That's all I'm concerned about. If he knows me and I know him, then I'm going to be okay. I'm well known in that case. As dying, and behold, we live. We're more alive in Christ than we'll ever be in the world. Even if my body is dying, even if I'm, I'm reaching the end of my days here on earth, I am more alive in Christ than I ever have been in the world. Because that life is eternal as punished and yet not killed. He's referring back to all the things that they had to endure. You know, the world looks at a persecuted Christian and says, oh, poor, tisk tisk tisk. So sorry for that. And look at pitiful guy. Feel so, they're, they're pitying us. But we're not killed. You can feel bad about me all you want, but it hasn't taken me out as sorrowful, my favorite, one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Simultaneously sorrowful and joyful. As poor yet making many rich. And how, how do we see that play out in the Christian life? You know, Paul gave us an example uh, when he, later in this, in this, in this book, in uh, chapter 7, I believe, he's talking to the Ma about the Macedonian Christians, and he said, out of, out of extreme poverty and an abundance of joy, they gave generously. That's what, it, that's what look as poor yet making many rich looks like. 
you may look at the outside, and I may not be driving a, a expensive car. I may not be living in a, a fancy house or wearing fancy clothes or eating fancy meals. Everything about me may look poor, but I am a conduit through which the blessings of God can flow. If I can be loving toward one another, I can make many rich. I can make people rich toward God in love as having nothing yet possessing everything. What greater possession can we have than the knowledge of this gospel, than the saving faith in Jesus Christ? Church, it is a, a different life that the Christian is supposed to lead. And right now, I, I'm asking today, as I have been the last few weeks, I want us, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't want to pretend. We either believe this or we don't. I, I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks, and a, a phrase has come to mind. And I don't know if I've heard this somewhere before and it just happened to click or, or if I came up with it myself. But here's the thing. You're either all in or you're not in at all. You're either all in on this or you're not in at all. There's no middle ground. There's no halfway. Either much fruit or no fruit. You're either all in or you're not in at all. You're either radically different or there's been no change, no real change. And so I think that all of us from time to time need to take a step back and look and measure. Are we being an obstacle to anyone? Are there things in my life? Are there motivations that drive me? Are there decisions that I make? Are there ways that I treat people that would be an occasion to find fault with Christ? An occasion for them to find fault with Christ. And I'm not saying that we have to be perfect Christians. There is no such thing as a perfect Christian. Only Christ was a perfect man. But that is not an excuse for us to bring obstacles for us to not make the gospel seem glorious. That's no excuse for us to live as if the grace of God were received in vain. There, are, there must be a change. And so take stock and think, is there a change? Have I changed? Do I look radically different than the guy down the street who does not believe in God? Some hard questions that we need to ask. And we need to pray that the Lord would guide us and lead us and open our eyes to those areas in our life where we have made the gospel seem less than, where we have given others an occasion to find fault, not with me, but with Christ, because we profess him. What's the number one complaint that most people have with professing Christians? And that is they're hypocrites. They say one thing and they do another. You know those people who say they're Christians, but... You wouldn't tell it unless you heard them say it. They bring the gospel a bad name. They put a bad name on the house of God and on the word of God and on the Christ in the gospel. And I, I, I don't want that to be characterized by any part of my life. And I hope that you don't either. So take this time this week, pray that God would open our eyes to where we fall short, where we make the gospel seem less than. And pray that he would give us the grace to be changed so that we have not received that grace in vain. Disrupt some things, O oh Lord. Guys, I love you. I, and I, I look forward to seeing you again. Have a great Sunday. <laughs>